You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. What is going on, Cranky? Grump, look at these eyes. Look at this face. This is someone who's been working like 80 hours a week. Unfortunately, the man is making me do work. So, I mean, I know you're putting in these hours just doing draft coverage, but I have to to work, and it really sucks because... I was down in Florida this weekend for the uh, you know the home opener for the Rays, and I was basically on the phone for five innings. And with these games, with no uh, with this pitch count, I missed like the whole game. I was on a, an hour call, so you may hear some delirium from me. It's just lack of sleep, but uh, this is draft season when none of us sleep. Do I log that as an official complaint against the pitch clock, or no? No. Well, okay. in, in this case, it was kind of a negative. I love the pitch clock. Okay. I think, you know, one of those things when you're at the game you don't even notice it but when you realize that two hours and 20 minutes it's over it's great i mean it's as long as, as long as basketball game it's shorter than the football game it's longer than a soccer game it's great um i'm all for it but in this particular instance where i wanted to see more game i got hosed but that's the way it goes life sucks i i, I take offense to you uh suggesting that i am also not working while doing draft stuff i know <laughs> But I think you're working somewhat of a human schedule for work. And I, I am. Yes, that's true. And I'm getting crushed. But uh, I um, yeah. I, I screwed up. Um, Ooh, that's not good. I screwed up bad. So I uh, I do I do have a job. It is a nine to five essentially. Um, so I work forty hours a week. Plus I pretty much cram in from like January to the end of April. I cram in pretty much every waking hour with um, draft work. Um, and a lot of that stuff is like back end, like production stuff. I don't need to do like making clip cut ups and shit like that. But right, um, it's always fun. But uh, in order to maintain a schedule like that, I intake a lot of coffee. Um, I love coffee. I've always liked coffee since I was in high school. Um, <laughs> but for like the last fifteen years, I've used K cups. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a very large coffee mug. So what I would do is I would just keep running the K-cup until it was full, but I'm only using the one K-cup. They're expensive, right? I finally ditched the K-cup thing at home, and I got a drip coffee machine again, which I haven't had in like 16 years. But what I failed to realize is when you actually brew coffee, that is a full, that mug that I'm like, they used to rerun like hot water through an old K-cup is now all new caffeine. So not the Saturday that just passed, but the one before it, I had to call my mom at 10.30 at night because I had a resting heart rate of 120 beats per minute, which is really bad. That's nothing, man. No, that's pretty when bad. I have my uh, – you all know my heart situations, and when I go – and I go crazy with my AFib. Sometimes I'm at 160 or something. So. Right. That's actual AFib. The thing is I was sitting on the floor. I was not doing anything. Um, yeah. And it was 1030 at night too. I, I had I had not truly calculated my caffeine intake, which I then did. It was almost 1,500 milligrams of caffeine that day. And in English, what does that mean? That's uh, – 1,000 is way too much. <laughs> so I, I, I screwed up big. So I – I'm cutting back on my caffeine this week and last week. This is my second week cutting back on it a lot. And uh, it's I'm feeling it in my face, like in my cheeks, that it's just like <laughs> sagging down. So whatever. That's that's kind of neither here nor there. So if this podcast <laughs> sounds like it's at, you know, if you normally speed, this podcast speed it up. at half speed, <laughs> that's real life. There's nothing wrong with your your uh, your phones. We're a little, uh, Groggy. a little sluggish. This is very, very much the first week of April for me. Um Got to watch a, a great Devils-Rangers game. I know half of our – well, probably more than half of the listeners are pissed off about that. And then a small minority, including myself, are pretretty happy. And you are just kind of you, – you the Lightning just clinched, right, over the weekend? Heck of a weekend. Knicks clinched the playoff spot. Lightning clinched the playoff spot. Razor 4-0. and 
Tottenham fired their coach. NYCFC stink, but you know it's pretty weird. This is like you guys follow me on Twitter. You know that I have non-New York teams that I like also, and I think this is the first time in my life that my at this moment my football, baseball, basketball, and hockey teams are either in the playoffs or in a season where they were in the playoffs. So all four. I never thought in my life the worst team of all the teams I follow would be Florida football. They're the one oh. lagger that's bringing everything down, and that's painful to me. But uh, right now, you know, you're going to start seeing a lot more. Once I ever get done with work, a little obnoxiousness on Twitter for me as, you know, the Knicks and the Lightning make their playoff runs and the Rays, you know, start ramping up. And there you go. Yeah. But we're all, we're all giant fans here. We're all brothers in that. So let's – move past our partisan arguments with other sports and let's focus on the giants yeah the, the shit talking is only within the first five minutes of every show and we're at 534 so that that brings us back to football and in which case we are all giants fans here yes um we did get some news today um news. very early this morning it was uh reported that Dion jones linebacker from lsu drafted by atlanta traded i believe to cleveland i believe so yes um is in for a visit Tuesday. So when you're listening to this, it's probably already happening. Uh, he is landing in New Jersey tonight, so he probably already landed because uh, it's like 10.30 here. That's huge. Uh, give me your initial thoughts. I mean, you saw him at LSU, what was that, like 2015, 2016? That was a while ago. Back when they had you know, really sick defenses. Uh, what is his cap situation? I mean, it seems like we're kind of near the end of how much we can spend. Uh, well, I mean, not much. So you think about what he was doing. So he signed his original four-year deal. He played under Dan Quinn for most of that time. Dan Quinn pieced for Dallas. Oh, I guess he got fired. Sorry. Dan Quinn got fired. Right. Uh, ended up in Dallas as a defensive coordinator, and his production fell off uh, as part of it. He was – I forget the name of the – Pease? Was that his name? The defensive coordinator that Arthur Smith hired? He was awful. Yeah. That team is awful. Um, his production ended up dipping. He got traded to Cleveland, and he got hurt immediately. But when he got traded to Cleveland, the, the cap number with Cleveland was like $1.5 It was like nothing. And right wow. now, after two years, one year of dipped production, one year of injury, I think he's in line for what you would consider a one-year prove-it deal, which is going to be something close to what he just got last year, which is one year 1.5, one year 2. We can afford that. I mean, sure. right now, I don't think they can. They're probably right up against the wall, but they can massage the cap and make it we, work. We have a couple deals still to work out where there may be some more room. You know, I, I, the Dexter Lawrence deal, I think, is imminent, possibly, so that might free up some more space. Dexter Lawrence, yeah. I mean, for a long time, the Leonard Williams contract could be restructured. We've been hearing that for a really long time. I yes. know Leonard Williams himself was asked about that, I think, by Dan Duggan, and he gave a uh, fairly committal. I don't want to say committal. A fairly, uh, I, I guess, like he was open receptive. to the idea. Yeah, he was receptive at first, and then when they asked him specifics, he sort of walked back a little bit. So, I think my thinking is, forget the money. I think just in general, Leonard Williams is happy playing for this team and in this area. I don't get the sense that he is itching to leave, um, but I mean, like, money is an object to him. I'll just, sure. Is that does that sound right to you? The way you that read sounds, it. That that sounds fair. I think unless you are a real superstar, I think you get that opportunity for one big contract. He got that one big contract. Now I think it's just kind of – now once you have that you know, financial security, even if you don't play out the entire term of that contract, you're going to have financial security where you can start you know, making decisions based on what you want to do other than what you have to do. And I think if he likes – he likes being on this team like you know, he's been playing in New York or New Jersey – his entire career, um, I think both parties will work something out to make sure he's taken care of, but also give the flexibility to this team what they still need to keep to keep building. So Deion Jones himself, um, I don't. I'm not going to pretend like I paid a ton of attention to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he was badass his first couple of years. I mean, I'll never forget that. He also. At least at the NFL level, and you could probably speak to more what happened with him in, in college. If I mean, even if you remember, that's a quite a while back. But yeah, we're going back to uh, whew, I'm trying to think of how far back that was. Yeah, 
I mean, the, I can say just those LSU teams as a whole, and you know the mid, you know, twenty tens, solid defense, solid, you know, back sevens. You know, great, you know he's had great secondaries, great linebackers. So you know, interchangeable of who these guys were. But if he was part of that, you know, it was solid. Um. Yeah, I think also through those days, like, the LSU defenses were so good that, like, all the edge rushers that were there were always getting, like, big first-round hype. Like, remember Arden Key? Sure. Never saw it with that guy. And I don't, I don't even – I don't know how long he lasted in the NFL. If he's still there, I haven't heard his name. Is he one of those guys where, you know, when you're playing against him, it's kind of like, watch out for this guy. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, it's not doesn't – didn't change games or wasn't, like, super, super hyped, like, on a, you know – he wasn't super hype as a player in college. Was more of a draft guy. That makes sense. Yeah, but it didn't make sense. I was like watching his yeah. film. I was like, this guy kind of sucks. Like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> but Deion Jones. I mean, at least at the NFL level, I have never seen a more ball hawking, but strictly not. I don't want to say strictly because he is good in coverage, but just very opportunistic with his interceptions. Man, I don't think I've ever seen a linebacker get so many tip drill picks and return them for touchdowns in like yeah. two years. He must have had like four. Um. Yeah, and and I would say if you look at the defense that Wink put on the field last year, they generated some decent pressure, albeit some of it uh, schematically drawn up and not straight up talent. But the one thing that was definitely missing was ball hawking, right? I mean, it's just not yeah. a whole lot of turnovers. I think having him in there, and, and something about being a ball hawk is just, I think at a certain point, it's just about knowing or i guess like having a natural feel of where the play is going and just being around the ball good things happen i, I was gonna say it's just a product of being a smart player someone who you know lots of film study you know lots of review lots of knowledge of the league lots of knowledge of not only quarterbacks but knowledge of coordinators and what their tendencies are and just when i, when I always hear the term ball hawk it's not to me it's just well they have such great instincts to the ball it's they know what they're doing and they know what's happening before it happens and, yeah, yeah. You know, ball hawking smart oh, more and more smart people like that sure especially i would say that was probably julian love's best attribute was his intelligence and being in the right place at the right time and they just lost him yeah um yeah i agree with you i think ball hawking has a lot to do with hand-eye coordination but mostly it's what's going on between the ears uh, so I'm really excited about that. I, I think that would be a huge addition to the to the defensive roster. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think expectations will probably stay a little bit low because he hasn't. Well, I, I think you know we're buying more and more. You know, like not reclamation. No, they're like we reclamation are, projects. Yeah, we're not buying lottery tickets to win a million dollars. We're buying like the win three. You know, <laughs> you know, it only costs a buck. But maybe you win a couple hundred bucks. You're not going to win, you know, ten million dollars. But you know, maybe, maybe the number will come up and it'll be a nice little payoff, a nice return on investment. You know, as you're building this defense for, you know, sustained success, and as you're drafting longer term pieces for it. Does that analogy make any sense, or is that just a stupid one? No, no, it made sense. I, yeah, I, I think you're you're right there. Um, otherwise, not a whole lot of news on the Giants front. This. Um, past week so we're gonna kind of flip over to the offensive line talk but before we like get to the o-line itself so let's let's take a look at the starting roster right now okay shall we left tackle andrew thomas we feel super comfortable there i think our biggest problem right is if he gets hurt what happens right i could say it's the same problem with a lot of teams so yeah but correct we're starting we're starting with a franchise cornerstone left tackle and um you know not a whole lot of teams can say they have that, both for his productivity, his age, and all of that. So we're in a really good spot with him. Yeah. Um, on the right side, obviously, Evan Neal, his second year in the league, so they're expecting some growth there. Uh, top, I, top 10 pick, so he's not yeah. going anywhere. Not only that, I think people that were freaking out about him last year, I think, just need to have a little bit of patience. I, you know... I don't want to make the direct corollary to, well, Andrew Thomas is just anybody who comes into this league. You know, I, I know if you play at Alabama or you play an SEC school or, you know, maybe you play at a, you know, a Big Ten school, the jump from, you know, top tier college to the NFL is a massive jump in size of speed, 
size, knowledge, all of these things. And these guys, no matter how highly they're, you know, they're rated, how high they're drafted, what the expectation is, there's a learning curve and they are going to struggle. And, you know, I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed never Neal and or concerned going forward. Not me. I mean, these guys got to play. And from a season where not much was expected before the season happened, he got, you know, the school of hard knocks. He played, he struggled, he learned. You know, finally an off season where he, you know he can get back in the gym. They can you know, mold his body more, increase conditioning. Not running around like you know a green rookie this year, you know, going through OTAs and training camp. I definitely see that jump from the second year to someone that's swimming in at times to really finally getting it. Because we all thought before the draft, like. That's the guy everyone wanted. We didn't think he'd be obtainable, and it worked out. So I'm not soured on him at all. That, to me, is a rookie learning his way in the NFL. Same. And remember, he's not going to have to learn a whole NFL playbook this year either. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that is a lot of players talk about. I mean, coming from Alabama, maybe him a little bit less, but a lot of players talk about that as being one of the hugest jumps is the just the size and the, sure. uh, uh, I, I guess, voluminous nature of a well, – NFL if you, I mean, if you're you know a rookie, like your first you know training camp, you're worrying about you know where do I get my jock strap? You know where do <laughs> I, where, where do I get lunch? You know, you know what's expected? You know, in this I need drill. an apartment. Yeah, who's this cat who's like in the locker next to me? I'm learning all these things. That's year two. You know, you know you're getting your jock strap. You know you're getting lunch. You know the guy next to you. You know what's expected of you in drills and. uh just that comfort level and not, you know, everybody, your first, think of your first week on the job. You don't know what the hell's doing. How do I log into Teams? How do I do this? <laughs> the next week, you're like, ah, old hat. So let's. So, you know, so calm when you down. look at the Giants' tackles, you feel comfortable for the next couple of years? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So now we're going to take a look at guards, and I'm only going to talk about four of them. I know that there's like some depth, whatever, but. Right. Let's talk about the ones that matter. So. Josh Azudu drafted last year. I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about five guys. Josh okay. Azudu um, drafted last year. Extremely versatile. Uh, I, I I I want to call him a left guard, but I, I I I disagree with the idea that he should be learning like four positions on the line, especially already. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to teach him left guard, right guard, fine. But uh, you know, whatever. Rookie. He's also kind of raw. Uh, but high investment. Was he a third round pick last year? He was the third round pick, yes. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Uh, and, and I feel pretty good about him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, last year's big free agent signing was Mark Lewinsky uh, at right guard. I don't even <laughs> – super disappointing. I, I think like early in the year, I want to say like week two or week three, I was like, he's the one guy on the line that can't screw up because we paid for him and blah, blah, and – uh, screwed up <laughs> i should have just not even said that because it was like every game he was like mm-hmm. one of the worst guys in the line but also you know veteran depth uh i'm sure he helps out a lot in the locker room stuff like that but as far as like a starter on this team it, it i that is a need upgrade position right significant significant yes um ben bredesen was a guy that was obtained two years ago and he was not very good that first year here. And last year, after a shoddy couple of games, maybe three games, he turned on. And he did not look bad. He got hurt and uh, left and came back at the end of the year. And I thought he was playing pretty well, but still not anything to, uh, I don't know. That one's not going to go in the uh, the Book of Giants facts, the 2022 year of uh, Ben Bredesen. Yeah, I think he's like a placeholder until we get something better, but it's not the end of the world with him. And last year's, I want to say, sixth-round pick, Marcus McKeithen, maybe fifth-round pick. I'm not, uh, no, I think it was sixth-round pick. Fifth-round pick, fifth-round pick. Fuck. Um, Marcus McKeithen, <laughs> UNC, right guard, big mammoth guy with some slow feet, kind of, whatever. Um, tours ACL at FanFest on the MetLife turf. Uh so he had rest like a nothing in, rest, first year. Rest in peace, old MetLife turf, by the way. Yes. Uh, as somebody who is not a turf expert, I'm not going to do a, a whole thing on the turf, but they are switching out the turf for a different kind that allegedly causes less injuries because there's, I, I don't know, not 
openings that can catch cleats or something like that, then I don't know. But I, hey, I'm willing to uh, hope for the best there. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, at least it will, it will silence some people who just want to blame the uh, the turf for all the ills for in the every world injury the, that happened on every field. Yeah, I, exactly. People got hurt on the Quest Diagnostic field inside the the Quest Diagnostic thing on other stadiums. I mean, they just want to lump well, all those see, injuries I to see. the MetLife turf, but whatever. Yeah, I see stocks are down ten points today. That must be caused due to the turf. Yeah, you know, <laughs> different things. There was an explosion in Saint Petersburg, Russia today. I, oh, it's got, it's got to be the that's turf. That's turf-related. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. that damn uh, – yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know what? I, I, I Look, whatever. Uh, allegedly, soccer stadiums use better turf. They care more about their players. If football teams soccer, start doing that, use, that's good. Soccer soccer uses grass. Like the World Cup, they're going to – when the World Cup is going to be here and, you know, if the Meadowlands is used for a semifinal game or a final game or whatever, they are going to have to put grass in because they're like, fuck that. We, we we play on grass, so I mean we have. I, if they want to put another turf in, I understand why they do it. They try to save costs, but you know something, we have two NFL teams that play here who have a lot of money. We have you know, if this is continues to be a problem or a perceived problem, problem, just suck it up and put grass in this place. Um, You'll notice that of all the guys, all five guys I talked about in the middle, none of them are really centers. Joe no. Shane had said that he was, for whatever reason, comfortable with Ben Bredesen being center or taking snaps or whatever. I'm not. That might have been coach speak. That might have been, you know, he's on the roster now. He's all we have. I'm, what am I going to say? I'm not comfortable with him. I, I think that part of that might be to give a show of confidence. That's for an audience of one but you know deep in the bowels of uh you know the giants 1925 giants yeah. or whatever it is they're probably uh you know soiling themselves thinking that uh a he's the uh the starter and b looking at the depth behind him so. yeah i i thought it was i understand that john feliciano is probably i don't know I think he he wanted his one shot at center here to show the league that he was a functional, capable center, which he was. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't great, but he certainly was not a super embarrassment. He wasn't the worst guy on the line. Um, That's the and, problem. And I, I think he wanted to parlay that into another deal elsewhere. And but what's weird is he wound up with like another cheap one year deal, but with a. I mean, a better team, right? San Francisco. Well, I mean, that's the downside of these prove-it deals. It's like, oh, great, we get these guys cheap on a prove-it deal. Well, if in their mind they proved it and some other team believes they proved it as well, they could be gone. So Yeah, but you know what? Way it goes. It, what sucks about it is that he's not here to take over day one. Regardless, whether he stayed or not, they were going to, in my opinion, they're going to draft the center anyway. They yeah. need a center. I think they think it's important. I certainly think it's important getting a center to anchor the line for the future. When you build through the draft, you're building your roster for for the foreseeable future. That's um, exactly right. And he probably read the, he's read the tea leaves, and they probably you know again we said this last week. We don't know the conversations that goes on. We just know the end results. You know, a conversation might have been that you know, hey, we are go- we are looking to upgrade this position. We are looking to draft someone. With the expectation to play, and you know, factor that into your decision where you want to go. You know. Well, yeah. So, like one of the, so what I was going to say is that like it sucks that he's not here to start the first couple games while whoever's drafted, you know, gets up to speed, or or maybe he needs to come in there because he's in over his head or whatever. But ultimately, it, it's it's such a minor. It, I know people are freaking out. In my opinion, it's kind of a minor problem. My, my I, I, biggest issue with this is that it is so obvious. They've done such a good job of like making little moves here and there to make no particular spot like a must-draft thing. And, I mean, well, there's no hiding this one. Well, my fear is, you know, what if Ben Bredesen goes out tomorrow to Starbucks and he trips on the, you know, a crack in the sidewalk and he blows out his knee? Then what? I mean <laughs> – <laughs> I, I, again, that sucks, and I want him here. In fact, I would argue that you should have Azudu starting at left guard and Bredesen starting at right guard and Glowinski on the bench. But uh, again, that speak 
as far as the center position goes, I don't want Ben Bredesen snapping the ball, period. All the John Feliciano move means to me is that whoever they draft at center has to be able to go day one. And that's what sucks. But if if it were him or Ben Bredesen going day one, I'm going to feel shitty about it one way or another. Well, you know, maybe that you're right about kind of like unzipping your fly and exposing yourself. Maybe, you know, that sounds like if you need someone you think is going to have to start on day one or, you know, that means they're drafting one and probably pretty high. So, you know, this is a team that does a pretty good job with smoke screens and a pretty good job with uh, end arounds with, with where you're thinking. Reach but, arounds. Well, that sounds like the team in Philly, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think in this, and you know, something, you know, not everything has to be 40 chess, you know, I mean, I don't think there's 30 other, you know, draft boards out there worrying about what the Giants are doing at 25. So yeah, I think you, you get the guy you want, you know, the highest ranked guy on your board. But, you know, if it's obvious, it's obvious you have a player in need. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that that's one of the biggest things the Giants have right now is, is, is center. So we agree that Joe Shane is, is blowing smoke when he says he's comfortable with Ben Bredesen. Oh, smoke right out of his ass. Right out of his ass. Um. All right, so when I say that, obviously we agree center is the biggest need on this line. Do you think that there's anything – does anything else concern you about the offensive line? I just want to hear your thoughts on, you know, what are you worried about? What would you like to upgrade? Where do you feel comfortable? Just give me your general thoughts. I mean, again, the worry – like two years ago I was frightened. You know, last – you know, I was very frightened about this offensive line. My worry was depth. My worry was, you know, anybody goes down, what are we going to do? It's going to be, you know, we get to a point where we have to, you know, hike, you know, take a knee on third down or run quarterback, you know, runs up the middle. You know, I, I, I think this line is, you know, when you have two anchors like that on the end, and I'm, and I'm going to make the leap that Evan Neal becomes, you know, he may not be the equivalent of Andrew Thomas on the left, on the right side, but a solid start or somebody I can pencil in for the next, you know, seven or eight years. Um, I, you know, the conventional wisdom is, you know, Oh, we need weapons for Daniel Jones. You know, we, we need a receiver, but you know something, if this line isn't solidified, it doesn't matter who your weapons are. I, I think center should be a priority. I've been thinking about this a lot since the season ended, especially after, after, uh, um, Feliciano left. I think a center changes. I think having getting a center, even if he struggles in the beginning, I think you can put other guys in more natural positions at guard. So I like the, how we're developing this line. It's not a complete process, and it may not even be this year. But I think drafting a center, a good center. If you get a good center, you have three guys on this line who could be, you know potential pro bowlers, you know, and be one of the best lines in the league. And that way, then you have to allocate as much resources for everything else. And then you can worry about guard. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling good about this line. Uh, I'll feel a lot better after the draft and see where we are, but I'm definitely, I'm not in panic mode about this offensive line. Like I have been for the last several years. Um, so given that you think of, all right, so I mean, I'm with you there. The way I look at the line is, you know, and I look at the draft is this is investing in the future. So you reach a certain point where you are not drafting for this year. You're not picking players for this year's production. You are picking players for next year's production. And and I'm and I'm also thinking with that that I don't think this team's a Super Bowl team yet. I, I I I I would not make any short-term moves either free agency or in the draft to try to get over the hump this year i think we are still continuing that build so i don't want to deviate from that if you know if 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 drafting a center means he struggles this year and it might slow down something for this year i'm okay with that because i know the dividends for 2024 and beyond when the real window of this team opens so i'm completely on board and okay with that that's why you hear me bitching about evan uh, evan neal you know him struggling because that's part of this process I um when you keep that in mind, I don't think very much of Marcus McKeithen personally. I think that he didn't get a first year, so you're getting a first year post injury now. You're not looking at Marcus McKeithen doing much for you for probably three total years, which sucks. 
Josh Azudu, I think, was raw to begin with, and his development is a little bit slow because they're moving him all over the place. Ben Bredesen's not here for the long haul. Shane Lemieux is half out the door already. I would not hate about, them doubling up on the interior O-line. What about Matt Pert? Were you giving up on him? No, but he's a tackle. I'm not worried about the outside as much. And yeah, no, I don't okay. I don't think he moves inside either. Yep, that was going to be my question. But, well, like, I mean, I think, like, theoretically, I think he could, given his side, whatever. But, like, in general, I think the demeanor of him just, like, you know, just, like, not punching right away or just, like, not having that nasty in him is going to be worse on the inside than on the outside, I think. What about Shane Lemieux? I actually really do like Shane Lemieux, but dude can't stay healthy, can't seem to win a starting spot. I, I, what, what am I supposed to think? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really matter what I saw in him at Oregon or three years ago with this Giants team for a brief period at one point, does it? If he can't win the coaches over the way, you know, other players have last year, then I, I have to assume that there's still struggles there. And I mean, yeah. understandably, because he keeps missing time. He missed like a whole yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's not a luxury you, you can't afford to wait around for, but he's it's not just really a guy even a luxury. That, I mean, that's that, like, that, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the right word. It's more like a, well, it's nice when it works. It's like the, you know, I don't know. I, I can't even think of an analogy. I had one in my mind, but it was not going to work. So, there you go. just one of those guys that just uh, if he shows up, you, you leave a table, uh, a plate at the table, and if he comes for dinner, great. And if not, oh well. Yeah, I um. From, I, I, you know, I wouldn't hate them doubling up on the interior O-line this year. I, I, I tweeted out today. I actually had a dream. Uh, I was like <laughs> half asleep and like half still working um, that the Giants drafted a corner in the first round and then they went out and they got um, guard Cody Mock from North Dakota State in the second round and then center uh, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas in the third round. Which, this is all in your. This is all in your dream. Well, I was kind of like doing work and like watching film at the time and like sort of like just tipping over, you know. Uh, yeah. So it was like a pseudo dream, but yeah, and it was awesome. I, got, I gotta talk to uh, <laughs> the girlfriend Grump, and we have to have a heart to heart because you need some help. <laughs> oh, during this period, I mean, the sleep I get is like not even quality sleep. So <laughs> explains the me constantly rubbing my eyes and whatever. But so when we talk about these guys. There is one guy that I think is a day one center. is John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. I think he's really yeah. good. Um, that being said, let's just say it's draft day, April 27th or whatever it is. 28th, mm. I think, maybe. Um, pick 25, Giants are on the board, and they walk away with center John Michael Schmitz. Not a super sexy pick. How does the Cranky fan feel? I feel very good about it because it's for the reasons I just said, that it doesn't matter – what what you have, what weapons you have for Daniel Jones, and also it doesn't matter if you have Saquon Barkley or Barkley the dog from Sesame Street as your running back. If you don't have a good offensive line, a, a, a an offensive line that has studs, it, it, this team is going to struggle. So you can get wide receivers in this draft. You can get weapons in this draft. You will be able to get wide receivers if you had to, even on, on, you know, undrafted free agents, cut down date. There's other ways to do it. You're not going to get potential elite talent on the line the, uh, any other way than this for relatively inexpensive for the first few years. So unsexy, sure, but building a sustainable team for success that will build into a Super Bowl requires a lot of unsexy things to do i mean you have two unsexy podcast hosts covering them an unsexy draft pick probably goes a lot longer than something just to grab headlines let the jets grab their headlines we're here to win and, and to build i uh i would not hate it i do think it's more likely they pick a day two guy uh whether that's second round third round i have no idea but do we think he's even going to be around at 25 i mean who else drafted yeah i around, do I, I do around that area is looking for you know specifically has a big center need i'm not even sure he goes in the first round i mean it's it's pretty rare that a center does uh they usually have to be incredible to go let me uh, ask he, you this then okay would you consider trading down a few spots to try to get him always this team is still rebuilding, so trading down and obtaining more picks. I mean, they traded one pick away already. I mean, they got mm -hmm. something for it. And in my opinion, you have a proven veteran 
for mm-hmm. a third round mm-hmm. pick, which normally your third round pick is like a shot in the dark. Uh, you kind of hope, see, you know. I think we're going to see a lot of wheeling and dealing. I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did watch draft day again on the plane coming <laughs> back um, last night. Back I had New pancakes York. on Sunday. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we could see – and a lot of unsexy you know, trades, like trading down two spots, not, you know, jumping up into, you know, I agree. the eighth pick or something, but I, you might see a lot of maneuvering for this year and for next year too. I mean, don't be surprised if we come out of this draft where we have more draft picks for 2024 than we started the day with. Too. Amen. You are correct. I would Thank not gosh. be shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very clear to me that Joe Shane values having as many picks in the draft as possible for multiple different reasons, for picking players or for wheeling and dealing. And I also think that they're not just going to be wheeling and dealing just to wheeling and dealing. I think it's all going to be in the context of guys on their board and who are available, may still be available, who they get intel that may be you know, higher on their board than other teams, all those different things. So um, be prepared. I know, you know, We've been waiting for five months to say with the 25th pick, the Giants select. Don't get all bent if we trade and trade and do like a, a New England, what they normally do. And, you know, I you and, see- and not picking the first round. I'm going to New York for this draft again. I, I'm going to be pissed if, <laughs> if I <laughs> yeah, show exactly. up at the Talking Giants headquarters and I'm just kind of eating pizza the whole time. <laughs> um, well, I would feel awful for you about that, but. Uh, We'll reimburse you for your uh, your I'd, training. I'd, I'd get over it. The pizza makes up for it on its own. Is that where you're going to be? By the way, you going to be doing talking Johnnies? Is that yep. a, is that is exclusive? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's been said yet. I thought it, I think they tweeted it. Um, but yeah, I will be there all three days. The first two days, I believe, will be with uh, Robert Schmitz, who does just the Windy City, God, yeah, Windy City Gridiron. I think it's called. Covers the Chicago Bears. Uh, see him at the Senior oh. Bowl every year. Great dude. Really, really intelligent. Um, so yeah, I'll be I'll be there for that. But on on that the day one draft, that John Michael <coughs> Schmitz is like the only non tackle I could see going in the first round. And and we've already discussed that tackles are not really going to be within the crosshairs of this organization. But day two guys, and I do want to talk oh, about this. I'm gonna... One one more point before we move on for that. Would you trade up for him? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Okay. I w- I don't think I would trade up on day one for anybody. Okay. Um, but day two guys, we'll start with just centers for right now. Uh, and I think that this group of dudes, I don't know how they're going to land, but to me, the way I look at them, they're all very, very close. Similar to the way I view the wide receivers on day two. They're all very similar with like some attributes here that are better, some that are better here. But Oluwatimi from Michigan, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, Joe Titman from Wisconsin, Luke Whipler from Ohio State, Steve Avila from TCU, all five of those guys I could see going on day two and i'd be pretty happy with any of them let's talk about the guy from wisconsin for a minute because i've been watching a lot of film on wisconsin because their quarterback transferred to florida this year so their offensive line kind of sucked right to be honest how did he stand out so i mean a a line that was not very good he's big for starters um he is sorry i'm pulling up my actual write-up on him while we're talking here that's he he's uh he's very large and that usually goes a long way. I believe he's pretty athletic as well. Um, I didn't think he looked bad. I mean, he wasn't my favorite. I, I know people had him as their first, you know, guy off the board, second guy after John Michael Smiths. You know, I I think he moves really well and that usually gets people's attention. For a six six guy, three thirteen is pretty light. Yeah, um, but is it a frame? Looks like he can put on. Yeah, some bulk and not impact so. anything. But also, six six is really tall for a center, in my opinion. I think that can probably get in the way for him. Um, but uh, for me, really, the biggest thing with him is the same thing I feel for a lot of guys that are that tall. It's very, very hard to get a nice pad level and anchor correctly because you're just so fucking tall. Like you have to get your pads <laughs> at least on par with the defender in front of you probably better to be lower and most of those defenders are not six six coming at the middle they're shorter than that and they're already lower to the ground they're bowling balls and you know what man i'm gonna say i meant to say this earlier fuck the combine i i don't understand people that would rather look at combine stuff than look at film and this is 
partially biased on what I enjoy, and I, I truly don't enjoy watching the combine. But look, I'm going through this stuff, and I do pull specific combine drills that I think are important. And like literally every single O-lineman didn't do the bench press. It's like the only thing I want to see them do. So few of them do. What the fuck is the point? They all ran the 40. The, 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 the combine for me always has been kind of validate physical attributes that you might have saw in film and you're like, is he really that fast? Or, you know, just like, is he really that strong? But to me, as much as you can replicate what he's been doing in real life is what you evaluate on. And to me, that's, it's, it's, it's not combine. It's not senior bowl practice. It's not even senior bowl game. It's when you're playing under the lights, when games matter, when your intensity is at, you know, at 12, you prepared mentally and physically for a game. That's what I'm evaluating for. So Me I too. agree. With you yeah, it's just it's it's so frustrating because so few of them did it, and a lot of them look weak. They look weaker than the defensive linemen that they're blocking. Maybe it's just me. Maybe old man, uh, you know, grump over here. But it looks like the NCAA is not churning out O linemen the way they used to, and I mean that. Like it's almost like they know their bench press is going to be bad. Let me ask you a, a reason behind that. Is that because just offenses in college are different than the NFL and it's more... I think they're prioritizing movement, probably. Yeah, like, you know, you know the um, the Gators have, you know, last year under Napier have kind of gone back to like a... Sure, yeah. Like, a, like, a, like an offensive line and a blocking scheme like what the, what the Broncos did back, you know, for how many years <laughs> under, under uh, Shanahan. Yeah, Shanahan. Yeah, and sort of like what the 49ers are doing, which is almost like a throwbacky way, but it's a something that had to be, you know, noted. Like this is different than they are, and they had a talented offensive line, but most of these offenses are run with, you know, an, an incredibly talented, athletic quarterback who makes things happen out of nothing, and it's not just. It's getting away from the now. The NFL game is starting to pick, is starting to catch up a little to what the college game is. Yeah. Maybe down the road you'll see. You know, a different uh, you know ideal of what an offensive lineman should be, but I I definitely think that college coaches, you know, offensive line coaches, offensive coordinators, head coaches, aren't as concerned about getting somebody ready for the NFL as they are about. No, no, no. But that's not really my yeah, point. My preparing, point is preparing that, their preparing for what their kind of offense they're running. So it's different. I I do think it's trending in a bad direction for offenses in college though, because they're churning out college defensive linemen just the same as they always did. I mean, Jalen Carter might be the best defensive lineman I've seen in quite a while. So, um, you know, it's just weird to me. I, I think it's dumb. Uh, and, and for me, with with Titman, you see a lot of the movement skills with him, and that's where I think he gets a lot of uh, a lot of hype or whatever. But uh, and also, like, I'm not shitting on him. He's just not my favorite. My favorite, who is also not the best in this class, different things. But my favorite is probably Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. I did not expect to like him that much, but he has a lot of things that I think you can't teach, and that's that nasty streak in him. He plays through the whistle to the end. I mean, that stuff is just. When it's there, all you got to do is fix the other stuff. A little bit like they Technique want. Technique is easy to. But, but yeah. yeah, when you want to be good, which is where that like competitive edge and that nastiness comes from, the teaching technique and stuff usually comes easy because these guys are generally hard work. They want to be good more than the other guy across from them. Obviously, all these guys at the elite college level in the draft, they all want to be good. But there are that other class of guys. Yeah, exactly. And I really love the way he plays. I think I think he's nasty. He's mean. Uh, I, I think, I mean, Road to me, that is that is yeah. dirt bag material, right? Which is what uh, Bobby Johnson likes to call his O-lineman, dirt bags. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I love that. Um, but, you know, any of those guys I listed for day two, I know the Giants, you know, Notre Dame, uh, Patterson is one that, you know, every Giants fan likes because he's Notre Dame. And I know... The Giants talked to Penn State guy Juice Scruggs, but to me those are day three guys. But day two guards, I, I'm just going to list my favorite guys in the order I have them right now. But it's Cody Mock, Osiris Torrance, Ekior uh, mm. Jr., uh, Ryan Hayes from Michigan. I know he was a tackle there, but I think he's going to be a guard at the next level. And UCLA's John Gaines the second. I like all those guys on day two. I would take any of them. Cody Mock is probably my favorite for a lot of the same reasons Ricky Stromberg, which is, I think, feedback to that dream I had. Um, and, and, and Cody Mock is like such a lovable guy. He's, he's 
toothless in the front, looks like a hockey player, and, and dude, moves so fluidly. Really move. And I think, honestly, I think, my opinion is, Cody Mock could be a starting right guard right away with the flexibility to kick out the right tackle. He is a very good lateral. St- I mean, his footwork is, is kind of garbage and it needs work in space, but it's really fast. It's He cuts off speed rushers before they get there, which is like half the battle. And from there, you know, cleaning up his base while he's doing the lateral step, he gets really skinny and gets off balance and stuff like that. You can fix that. But the athleticism and stuff that he has, in addition to that want to, that mean streak that he also has, it's pretty rare. I really like him. But I, I want to know, when, when you think, you only got one year of Osiris Torrance, but... It, right. Was that enough for you to be like, I want this dude in blue bad? He would be uh, jersey worthy for me. And for me to wear a jersey of an offensive lineman is really saying something. <laughs> you know, again, not a sexy jersey to buy, but, you know, obviously, you know, the Gator connection. But, you know, he came in, he, he played at Louisiana. And when Napier came over, you know, that was one of the first guys to transfer over. And it was like, okay, you know, when you're going from the Sun Belt to the SEC, that's a huge leap. But from day one, the reports coming out of camp were like, wow, this guy is a mauler. This guy is a man among boys. And you're saying that about the SEC is something. And he was fantastic. Um, I think he missed one game for injury over, over the season. But, um, you know, it was, a, it was he anchored a, a pretty solid offensive line, a really good running game. Again, I said this a few times on the show that was helped by – you know, the, the mobility of Anthony, Anthony Richardson, but, um, you know, universally was, uh, you know, thought of as like one of the best linemen in, in the sec, the best guard in the sec. So I would be, I would be very excited because again, I saw someone who made a leap. I don't know if exponentially it's the same going from the Sun Belt to the sec is the sec, the NFL, but if he, you know, if he grades out like the way he adapted to a, a much bigger uh, quality of game that quickly, I think we'll be fine for a long time if, if we drafted him. I think my biggest also oh, go ahead. and also one other thing is there were some rumblings going around that you know he might be able to cross train to be center too. So I don't know if I would draft him and move him to center to start at center, but. Having that in your tool chest is not a bad thing either. No, not at all. And like I said, same thing with Cody Mock. Having that ability to kick out and play tackle if needed is is certainly a plus. I know we'd like to talk about like the center guard kind of transfer, but I mean personally, I'd rather have the center just be the goddamn center and, and be the good center. A guard yep. that can kick out and play tackle if Evan Neal gets hurt, on the other hand, is a totally different story. Um he- he did, he did not give up one sack in his entire career at Louisiana or at Florida. That's pretty impressive. Oh, I mean, Louisiana is not throwing a bunch, but Florida certainly did. Right, right, right. Um, and, um, again, well, part of that might be part of that. Might, again, the Richardson factor of, you know, being mobile and not setting himself up to sack. But still, you know the difference between, oh, oh, he just got burnt by this guy. And go watch the film and show me a couple examples where that happened. And I'll I'll sit here and wait for that. Yeah, my I guess my biggest question with him and where I think the hang up might be with the Giants is um, him in space. And you've certainly watched more Florida than I did. So, I mean, is that is that something that they did a whole lot of is like getting him out and pulling situations or, you know, up to the second level that you remember? Did he ever look clunky out on the move to you? Um, Nothing that was again. I am not. The line guy, not the uh, the film guy, as much as you are, but nothing stood out to me. It's just like that didn't work, you know. <laughs> or he, or he, you know. I mean, they he pulled a lot. He did all the things, but nothing out like nothing that stood out to me is like that is something you should take out of his tool chest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that, I mean, to his credit, he at least did the bench press uh, yep. oh. at, at the combine. Twenty three reps <laughs> is pretty weak. Uh, not what I would like to see. I'd like to see at least 26, but what, what are we talking about? Three three reps here? It's not the mm-hmm. worst. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would... It's Osiris Torrance. I was, he's second-ranked guard for me. Um, 
I would certainly like him here. I liked all those guys, those day two guys I mentioned. I'd be happy with any of them being here. Uh, somebody suggested John Gaines to me from UCLA. was not on my radar. Definitely liked him. Put him on my day two as is big deal for guard. Um, I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to talk running backs next week. I just okay. Just just <laughs> sidebar. I have a feeling Joe Shane is going to select one. But it's even if he does, it's like so. I don't know. I just there's like a million running backs every year that are draft worthy, right? Also, it's it's also kind of like we until we have final resolution with Saquon Barkley, it's almost kind of like a anything they do to that point, it almost seems secondary. And exactly, he's going to be back up to change. everything, and sure. they re-signed Matt Breda too. So like yeah. the need for it is now. I just I just feel like I know it in my bones that we're going to be walking away at some point with a running back, not undrafted free agent, like an actual investment of some kind. Uh, and I don't want to talk that next week. I'd rather flip to the defense if that is cool with you. Hey man, it's cool with me. All right. So next <laughs> week, next week we'll talk corners. The next, I, I guess Ooh. that's the last super duper important. Um. I would say so. Yeah. I would say, yeah. Sexy and important. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the sexy for that. And that'll be same damn place, same damn time. Next Tuesday morning at 9.30 on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. Um, this show is always available in all those spots. Please be sure to subscribe um, and tell a friend. And follow yeah. us on Twitter, at football underscore grump, at the cranky fan, at just giants pod. We love and, making uh, friends. To all you UConn fans out there, congratulations. There's 30 seconds left, and you're going to win a national championship again. Who had that on their bingo cards in uh, three weeks ago? Not I, says the guy who picked Purdue. Whoops. So, so congrats. I know there's some UConn uh, – some Huskies in the audience, you know, being so close to, uh, to Connecticut. Uh, so congrats. Probably, yeah. Congratulations, guys, and we will – barring some, some – fantastic news of Deion Jones or anything else. I, I think you'll be seeing us next or, week. Or we're killing us, one of the two. So hopefully that <laughs> won't happen either. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.